Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 375. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, FitBod, Trade Coffee, and Pingdom. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined by Mr. Federico Vatici. Hello. Hi. Hello. There's there's no Mike, but we've replaced him with the one true John. Hello, John Voorhees. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hello. M- much better version of Mike. Like this, yeah, this well, Mike it, 2.0 that goes by John. I kind of like it. I think it's, uh, it's Mike 3. I got to say, you know. oh, Mike. it's a lot easier to record with you guys when I'm not sitting in Federico's lap. <laughs> 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 okay. Okay. <laughs> That's uh, that's the show this week. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I'm still in a bedroom, but I'm in a bedroom by myself. <laughs> I see that you've started connected and how we like to do things, John. Well yes, done. I, have. I so, have. So look, some people out there are going to be really concerned for our safety because John is, while he is the one true John, he is also part of the the subversive Triple J gang that is threatening to upheave the entire show and its universe. So, John, don't try anything sneaky. I won't. I think you're probably safe since James... Well, we don't know exactly where James is, but... He uh, could be outside my office right now. You never know. That's upsetting. Uh, we should also say, uh, Federico, you got a, a booster shot today, so that's awesome. But you may fall asleep at some point during the show. Yeah, congrats. Yeah, thank you. I, I am boosted. Um, yes, it's. Uh, I was thinking about this today quite, quite different from last year. This time last year, we were in lockdown and, you know, we didn't have vaccines. And uh, a year later, not only do we have them, we're not in lockdown anymore, but I just got my booster shot. So, yeah, that, that was, uh, it's nice. It's nice. I recommend it. Uh, it feels great. And I'm going to have, I still, so this is a, a sort of t- technology-related aside. Um, so we have we have this government-issued app in italy uh it's called io um by the way uh which is the app the official app that you use to download your digital it's called the green pass in italy it's a vaccination card it's a qr code that you can show you know when you want to go to a restaurant or to a shop or you know uh, indoor places you gotta show your vaccination card um they do not support the ios 15 uh, feature that lets you add digital vaccination cards to Apple Health, right? That's that's a feature in iOS 15. I believe some states right. in the U.S. support this already. So what I did, I got clever, right? So I thought, you know what? I'm going to use the feedback feature of the government app to send them a comment and send them a link to the Apple support, <laughs> to the, the K-Base, basically. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to send them a link to, to this new feature that Apple is documenting on the internet. And I'm going to say, hey, when when are you going to add support for, for these iOS 15 API? And my theory was an engineer, you know, one of these contractors that the Italian government hired to build the app is going to get all excited that someone finally sent that feedback request and they're going to get back to me well they they got back to me very annoyed by the fact that i used the feedback form to send a technical request they replied with a very stern reply actually saying that the feedback form is only for actual questions about the green pass wow not about technical feedback (laughs) wow 
That's, I didn't mean to hurt you or your feelings. I just wanted to let you know about this cool API in iOS. But they just wanted to know why you were writing about bees. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 your normal audience, I guess, Federico. I understand that LeBron James was uh, there with you when you got your booster shot today. Is that correct? There. So the one of the vaccination hubs is at a mall uh, here in Rome, and they set up this uh, all these uh, sort of like structures, like these tents outside. Uh-huh. Uh, but you gotta you gotta get in line inside first. And where you get in line is also where this huge um, movie theater is inside the mall, like a multi-room type deal. Like you can go there and choose between like 10 different movies, for example. And there was a giant statue of LeBron James and Bugs Bunny to promote um, the new Space Jam. Oh, all right. All right. So that was fun. Interesting. I actually got my booster shot on a high school stage in an auditorium, which was a little odd too, but uh, not not quite the same as having a le- giant LeBron James next to me. He can always be in your heart, John. Yeah, I think so. So we've got uh, a little bit of follow-up. We've been kind of following the path that iOS 15.2 and macOS 12.1 have been taking. And as of uh, really, just like a day ago, they are now both at the release candidate state. So I kind of assume that they'll be out uh, maybe later this week. I and mean, we're quickly approaching the holiday season. And Apple generally takes a few weeks of much slower pace. Although I did read that they're keeping uh, the App Store submissions open. Don't they normally close those around Christmas, John? Yes, usually for a couple of weeks. But you're right. This year, they're actually going to keep that open throughout the end of the year. Wild. Someone's someone's got to keep an eye on that, I guess. Yeah, uh, I guess so. But I know y'all have been in the the beta a lot more than I have. So you know what what can we expect when these drop? What are some some features? Yeah, uh, I've been keeping track of all the the, the bigger items and the smaller features. Uh, this is a the classic sort of grab bag uh, release. Uh, you know, there, there's not a single like huge thing. It's more of a collection of medium-sized features, if you will. So Apple Music Voice Plan, which was announced in September, this is the $5 a month. Siri-only Apple Music Plan will launch supposedly uh, with 15.2. It's mentioned in the release notes for the release candidate version. So yeah, you will be able to sign up for that at some point pretty soon, I guess. Um, The app privacy report is now available in settings. This is another feature that was announced uh, not in September, but at WWDC. Uh, This one lets you inspect uh, uh, privacy-related data for apps that you have installed on your device. So you can go in in the privacy section of settings and you can drill down into individual applications to see what kind of web requests, for example, they have performed, uh, what kind of servers they are contacting. Um, If you care about that sort of information and if I want to go in and check, like, is my podcast client doing anything weird with the ads that I hear? Spoiler, some of them are. Uh, You can go in and, and see what are what they're actually doing um the new uh iMessage child protection features um for photos for sensitive content that is also in 15.2 and uh i have some notes of my own for smaller things that are also happening in 15.2 there's the new macro toggle 
in the camera for taking macro pictures on the iPhone 13 Pro. Uh, we talked about this at length on Connected before the new button that you have in, in the camera app. Um, you can now use Hide My Email in the Apple Mail app. Uh, Hide My Email is one of the iCloud Plus, meaning uh, paid iCloud features. Uh, you can now use that directly in the in the mail app you can pick a legacy contact for when you die and i know that's you know that's i'm just saying it like it is uh you can you can now pick a legacy contact in your icloud settings for when you pass away and you want to make sure that somebody else gets access to your data um what else so you can now customize the on iPadOS, this one is. Uh, on iPadOS, you can customize the corner for quick note activation. Ooh. So now you can you can now do quick note from the bottom right or bottom left. And you can actually go in settings and, and also do, uh, for example, bottom left quick note and bottom right uh, take a screenshot. That is now something oh. that you can customize. Um, something else. Oh, yeah. there's there's the, we, Again, we mentioned this before. There's a new store section in the TV app. So if you're one of those people, like me, who still buys TV shows and movies, you can now do so from the store section. And last two that I want to mention, both in notes and reminders, uh, you can rename and edit existing tags and the notification summary uh, the, that feature that we talked about in September that we're not really using that bundles up multiple notifications in a in a scheduled summary, it got redesigned. So the summary is a as a fresh new design but unchanged functionality. So as you can see, it's a it's a bunch of like miscellaneous features that got all collected up together in fifteen point two. And it's still not everything that will be coming, right? Like I think sort of most notably. No universal control. And so 15.3 and maybe macOS 12.2 will bring those potentially. Mm-hmm. Maybe. It's very strange. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this universal control is still a coming this fall feature, and there's only 13 days left in the fall. So I kind of think we're going to be missing that one at this point. I, I really want to know, Federico, whether who's going to be your legacy content your legacy contact and get all of your big brother episodes. Is it going to be me? Is it going to be Steven? Do we have to fight Sylvia for it? I mean, who gets, who gets all that sweet content? I will leave it out in the open. I will, I will leave instructions to, to scatter my content <laughs> to the sea. Oh, wow. Yeah. In the ocean. I will, I will, I will drop my content in the ocean. When I die. Wow. And uh, yeah. yeah. That's quite the visual. Yeah. yeah. Someone grinding up an iPad. It's, and a, it, it's, the, it's the ultimate Web3 move, you know? <laughs> Turn your, your digital content into a... Yeah. Decentralize my content. It's good. Literally. Yes. A quick reminder that we are running discounts for a new annual membership. If you go to giverelay.com, you can sign up. We have all of our shows listed there. You know, on Connected, I think we're going to recommend Connected Pro, which is a longer ad-free version of the show each and every week. We have a section before the show. Usually it's a topic, but we talk about life, uh, all sorts of wacky stuff. We have a section at the end of the show most weeks. Again, no ads. 
So giverelay.com. Go check it out. 22% off new annual memberships. This runs until December 17th. So just about a week left when this episode goes up. So be sure to uh, to jump on that. If you're looking to join a show or give the gift of a Relay membership, uh, giverelay.com is where you want to go. All right. This episode of Connected is brought to you by FitBod. It's normal for people to start considering their health and their fitness around this time of year. If you do themes or resolutions, whatever it may be, it's on the forefront of a lot of people's minds right now. But between balancing work, family, everything else we all have going on, it can be hard to make fitness a priority. So what you need is a program that works with you, not against you. And that's why you need FitBod. FitBod's algorithm learns about you, your goals, and your training ability. And it will craft a personalized exercise plan that's unique to you. And their app makes it incredibly easy to learn exactly how to perform each exercise. Personal fitness isn't about competing with others. You don't want to look to others and try to stack up against them and do what they do. What you need, what I need, is something that will work for us. That's when it really sticks and when you'll see the results you're looking for. FitBod uses data to create and adjust your dynamic fitness plan. And you'll have instant access to your own personalized routines and their fantastic app so you can make progress on your goals from anywhere. One of my favorite things about FitBod is it's really easy to customize. And so if you have some equipment at home, but not a lot of stuff, you can tell it exactly what you have. You can adjust that over time. So if you get barbells at Christmas or something, you can add that into FitBod. And it will take that into account when putting together your future sessions. Everyone's fitness path is different, which is why FitBod does so much to make sure they customize things exactly to suit you. They make sure to learn from your last workout so your next one will be even better. Whether you work out twice a day like John or twice a month like most of us, FitBod even tracks your muscle recovery. So however often you're hitting it, it knows and it can make sure your plan is balanced with a variety of exercises to make sure you're not overworking anything. The app is so simple to use. It has HD video tutorials to make sure you're learning each exercise and it integrates with the Apple Watch, Wear OS smartwatches, apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive, but FitBot is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. But you, dear listener, can get 25% off your membership by signing up at FitBot, that's F-I-T-B-O-D, FitBot.me slash connected. Kick off the new year right and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me slash connected. Get 25% off your membership. Our thanks to FitBod for their support of the show and Relay FM. So last week, uh, we promised that we would do a little bit more connected QA. So we're each going to pick three. We have a spreadsheet here we're all looking at. And, you know, I think, um, I think John's our guest. I mean, I know John is our guest. So I would say that we let uh, John go, and then maybe you, Federico, in the middle, and I'll uh, I'll do round three, and we'll we each pick a couple, and we'll go around and do some Q and A before moving into our next topic. All right. Well, I'm going to start with a very self interested question from Justin Hamilton, of course, and that is, what's your contingency plan against the Triple J? I need to know this. I will kidnap your family. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, I that's mean, harsh. You steal, that's a little steal extreme, show, don't you think? Steal my show, I steal your family. Okay, <laughs> that got dark. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to say to that, Federico. <laughs> I mean, my thought was John is on the show this week, and so Federico, maybe we can be nice to him and not say things like you'll kidnap his family, and then he won't want to turn on us when he has the opportunity. Oh, see, I like Stephen. He's a man of the people. You know, I've been called that by many, many, many people. Many people. I mean, look, John. Fam- John's family likes me, by the way. So it's not like it wouldn't be like a bad kidnapping. But anyway. wow, you're gonna sneak up on them is what you're gonna do. They're gonna they're gonna trust you, and you're gonna, <laughs> gonna jump out they of already, the bushes. They already and do. Kidnap That's them. the thing. So anyway, um, we don't really have a contingency plan. Uh, we like Triple J, right? We we like them, right? As people. Yeah, it's the combination of them that I'm afraid of. Yes, it's it's the three of them together that concerns yeah. me. We'll see. It's a potent, <laughs> yeah, it's a potent combo, no see, doubt. Let's no see. Doubt. I don't like I don't like to to think about that. I I don't like um, it's concerning when I think about it. So yeah. Hmm. All right, Federico, you pick one. I pick one. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. So this is uh, this is for me. Do most Italians? Uh, this comes from brands. Uh, do most Italians use cash, cards, or contactless payments? Ooh. Hmm. So until a few years ago, I would have said cash. I, I would have said cash is very popular over here, but I feel like um, the government has has done a big push for adopting um, card-based payments and especially, you know, switching all of the uh, points-of-sale systems to contactless systems. And so it's become much, much more common to have contactless payments everywhere. Like, you can pay contactless for all kinds of things now. Like, you can buy an espresso and pay with a contactless payment. You can pay your parking ticket. Um, you know, when you go park your car and there's like those stations that used to be, used to only accept coins or, or cash. Mm -hmm. Now you can just, uh, place your card or Apple pay there and it works. So I would say that now most people, especially people my age now, cash is very uncommon. The unfortunate downside of all this is that there are still places that, look at you weirdly if you try and and pay with a card for for anything that is below 5 euros and that's a bigger that's a bigger problem that we have for essentially places usually smaller places that do not want to give you a receipt you know like they just want cash, they don't give you a receipt, therefore they don't pay taxes. Um, that's a problem that we have still in Italy, but I will say that especially compared to five years ago, we've done a big push for contactless payments and it seems to have uh, that, that that worked out. So yeah, I'm happy about that. All right, uh, I'm going to go with... Man, there's so many good ones. Here's one it, uh, from Tony. If Federico was going to guest host Ungeniused... What would he, what topic would he want to do? And oh, that's a good one. And so if you're not familiar with Ungenius, it's a mic that show and, uh, it's, it's a mic that show and I have together. It is a show that Mike and I have together where we talk about weird stuff that we and our listeners find on Wikipedia. 
So just over the last few weeks, we've done a hoax about um, spaghetti being grown on trees, a few world records about food, the, uh, we talked about spam, Microsoft Bob, we do weird sports like sandboarding, lots of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. So Federico, you, you come on the show and you bring your topic. What, uh, what do you like? Very easy. Very easy. I like to talk about the Virtual Boy, Nintendo's often forgotten console. Such a huge failure. The Virtual Boy was Nintendo's attempt to do sort of like virtual reality in the 90s. Um, after the Super Nintendo and before the Nintendo 64, I think, I think I got that timeline right. It failed miserably. And uh, it gave gave people uh, give a bunch of people headaches. It was terrible. <laughs> it was not good. Uh, yeah, it was and, bad. Uh, it was hor- and the games were horrible. I would love to talk about that. Okay, it's uh, yeah, that's a weird. I just like looking at pictures of it. It's such a weird piece of hardware. Yeah, <laughs> it's super weird. It's like a lot of and it was, the games were like red lines essentially, right? I mean, it was they were very rudimentary for yes. for VR. Yes. There was a Mario Tennis game, maybe, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. very strange games. Mm-hmm. And uh, sealed copies, of course. Uh, sealed units of Virtual Boy, they go for thousands on eBay. So They do, and I think a lot of them have to be refurbished because I think a lot of the, the tech in those didn't hold up very well for the years. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I was just, I was just looking, pulling up eBay when you said that. Maybe you should get one. Mm, that's not really my jam, you know? Mm, yeah, I can imagine. Here's one, uh, f- a cool $400. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fine. That's I think fine. there are fewer than, fewer than 100 games, too, so it's pretty, you know, it's pretty limited what you can do with them, too. All right, John, your turn. All right, I think this is appropriate to this week, especially since it's been a pretty quiet week, okay? Uh, the question comes from Brian King, who wants to know, on slow work days, do you ever just run out of internet? And how do you cope with that? It's impossible. It's Steven? Impossible. It is impossible to run out of internet. I'm also like perpetually about a day and a half behind where I need to be, I feel like. And so yeah. even like this last couple of weeks where the tech news has been slow, I've been very busy with other stuff. And so it's very rare that I have a day where it's like there's nothing going on and I'm caught up and it's like, okay, well, we're just going to peruse the internet for a while. I just, I just don't have days like that. How about you, Federico? Yeah, it's impossible to run out of internet. Um, I have a huge backlog of YouTube videos that I want to find. And these days, like, what what qualifies as internet? Because uh, does pl- uh, is playing Halo Infinite uh, internet? I think so. Like, I was playing a bunch of multiplayer a few days ago. That's also internet. Um, YouTube videos, uh, podcasts, books, TV shows, movies, games. Like, it, it's music... No, uh, the, 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 the question is not, can you run out of internet? The question is, do you want to look at a screen? Like that's, that for me would be the more. Yeah, that, that's how I took it as, you know, internet browsing, browsing the web through a browser, basically. Okay. So if I'm not browsing the web, I, uh, there's a bunch of things that I can do like on my own. I can listen to music or I can play video games or I can play with my dogs. Um, so I, I, when you have, when you got hobbies, it's, you can run out of internet and, and it's fine. Uh, Does that happen often? Sometimes. And I think it's okay. We don't have to be plugged in all the time. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, this week, I, the reason I asked the question was because this week is actually a very slow news week, at least in terms yeah. of the kind of stuff that we cover. But at the same time, I know you and I are very busy with big plans for something very soon on the horizon. And mm-hmm. and like Stephen... It's your trophies. We know about your trophies. You keep talking about... Like even <laughs> and with like, Mike and I, you're like, oh, secret. I was like, you bought some trophies, John. <laughs> I did. I did. I have a box. No, it's not. It's not that. It's something else. No, it is something else. But yeah, I mean, I run out of I run out of stories to cover, but I've got plenty of other things to do, whether it's work related or or just you know fun stuff. Do I get a trophy this year? Yes, you get a special Stephen trophy. Well, we should give him one. We should give him a Man of the People. Yes. I, I still think that you know. I think I think that that's something he should get someday. I think that'd be really nice. I think Federico is going to get very angry at me for for suggesting that. Aren't you, Federico? Yes, I am. I'm a, I'm a millennial. I just want trophies. Yeah, you just want the easy life. <laughs> this is interesting coming from Matt. Uh, Federico, you are able to wave a magic wand and add a single shortcut action to iOS and macOS. What action do you choose? Uh, this is a great question, Matt. Um, so, add an action. So, how was this phrase? Add a single action to iOS and macOS. Um, yeah, so if I can add a new action, I would say search Apple Music. Mm. That would be my one because, like, you can only search your library in shortcuts. Whereas I feel like I want to, I want to put together a shortcut that lets me search for anything on Apple Music. Um, and that's not possible unless you install Toolbox Pro. And even then, Toolbox Pro is broken at the moment. The Apple Music actions in Toolbox Pro haven't worked in like a month. I don't know what's up with that. So there's no way to search the Apple Music API in shortcuts. And I feel like I would really like to do that because I have a few ideas in mind for like searching something and, and transferring playback to the HomePod or transferring playback to the Apple TV that would be my sort of my top of the list one. There's many other ones that I would add. Like second one would be a proper multitasking action, for example, like uh, pick a window on iPad, create split views, that kind of stuff. But yeah, app, uh, search Apple Music would be my one action. What about you guys? I think I would probably go with the Safari actions and getting them to actually work on the Mac because so many of the shortcuts that I use regularly on iOS rely on, you know, get get information from Safari Reader or, you know, get the the contents of web page. Those those actions which you can find on the Mac, but which don't do anything on the Mac. And so right now, all we have is a series of workarounds through things like Apple Script, which is too bad. But uh, I've been kind of fixated on that since since Monterey release. So that's what I'd go for, even though it's it's not technically new, but it would be new to the Mac. I know I talked about the Apple Notes thing last week, and someone sent me a shortcut that kind of does what I wanted it to do, although it just passes text and not it doesn't do like the fancy URL previews and I haven't gotten that working. But I think really like, just sprucing up the note section. I mean, this is so much about what we talked about last time, right? That Apple has all these cool features and they just don't make it into shortcuts. And so maybe maybe the real answer is Apple should just do that. All right. Uh, I will go, probably familiar with Mission Impossible, where people like wear a mask and pretend to be somebody else and trick other people. There's some brands. If you could Mission Impossible 
style impersonate one of the hosts of Connected, who do you think you could imitate the best, and do you think you could fool the other hosts? Huh. Um, so Federico, could wow. you be, could you mimic me or Mike better? Yeah, I think I I think I would mimic Mike better. You know, uh, stroke my beard, do a British accent or whatever is left of it in Mike's voice, do some vocal fry, put on a crazy wallpaper on my iPhone. You know, do that kind of stuff. I could do I could do a, I could do a plausible Mike. I think. Yeah, I think I think Mike, Mike, I think is easier to do than you are. Federico, you have some like mystery in your eyes, you know, that's hard to pull off. Yeah, but you also, but you also have that. You're also kind of inscrutable, you know, like like you, I don't know what's going on with you. Mm. You have you have that you have that that depth inside of you that I think is is harder to replicate with you know if I were to sort of be like fake Steven. Yeah. You, you know? just joke about Mac Pro wheels and everyone will believe it's me. Although, yeah, you just raised an interesting point. Like there's that entire sort of like ecosystem of objects around you <laughs> that I feel like could make it easy <laughs> to pretend that it's you. Like you carry around some old Macs and, and a Mac Pro with wheels, drive a truck, put on a plaid shirt. I'm wearing a plaid shirt today. See, there you go. <laughs> there so, you go. How do you know? <laughs> Perfect. I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe Steven isn't so hard after maybe all. Maybe not. But I still feel like I've, like I've seen, also like Mike is the last of you two that I saw. Right. Before, before the pandemic. So I think, and I've seen Mike more times when I went to London. So I feel like it would be easier still for me to, to imitate Mike. Yeah. But you also just saw John though, a week ago or something. Well, but well, how was the question for It was hosts. One of the co-hosts. Yeah. yeah, it was one of the hosts. Sorry, John. Yeah. John, which, John, out of Mike, Federico and I, who do you think you could best imitate? Well, I agree that Federico would be hard, but... I have also listened to hundreds of hours of audio, and I have every single Federicoism and vocal, vocal <laughs> tick down to a science. <laughs> so I think I'd I'd have to go with Federico because that gives me a little bit of a head start. Okay, yeah, that's true. So we're all just going to be suspicious of each other the rest of the show. <laughs> yes, I think so. Uh, I lost track of where we are with questions. Whose turn is it? John goes next. This is the final round, John. Final question for you. Okay. All right. So if you guys were to do a connected holiday card, what would you put on the cover? What's going on, I wonder, what's going on with Federico's Christmas trees at the moment? Oh, good question. Are they still in business? Oh, yeah. I haven't looked in a long time, probably since last <laughs> last holiday season. Christmas the great comeback of Federico's Christmas trees. Let's see. Uh, so for those who are unaware of these references, this is a long running sort of it's not it's not an in joke. It's it's a it's a something random that we discovered, this place called Federico's uh, Christmas trees. Uh, located in uh, It's in Ohio or something, isn't it? Isn't it Utah? I think it's Utah. Um, oh, I, oh okay. Utah. I don't know why it's I thought it was in the Midwest. Where, but where? In Utah Valley. So let's see. What's FedericoChristmasTrees.com. In Orem, O-R-E-M. Orem, Utah. Wow, they got two. They have two 
locations. Fun fact, Federico, Orem, Utah is where WordPerfect came from. You remember WordPerfect? I do. Show my age. Steven knows what WordPerfect is. How do you know that? Because all lawyers used WordPerfect forever, and it was, and Orem, Utah was in the splash page whenever you started up the program. That is a reference I did. Okay. Interesting. So yeah, Federico's Christmas trees, uh, the, the first location is in Orem, Utah, next to a classic skating and fun center, it seems, yeah. according to Google Maps. That seems like a cool place. Uh, sounds so, like a good time. Yeah. yeah. So for sure, I think there will be the backdrop would be a tree from Federico's Christmas trees. Uh, and in front of the tree, uh, the three of us, right? And the three of us, each holding something that is mm. either related to us or to the show. So, for example, uh, I would hold either a... Um, I don't know. What is it? Something that I keep mentioning on the show. Uh, like like headphones or maybe... No, I, I would hold my DAC. Yes, a DAC. <laughs> um, Mike would hold um, his iPhone's home screen uh, facing the camera. And uh, Stephen would have just l like a little cart full of, of computers hmm. or or like the little Ikea instruction manual for a calendar. <laughs> you know, it's funny, <laughs> Federico, I had the same thought that we would all be holding something okay. that's important to the show. But instead of the Christmas tree company, I thought about the, the uh, I'm going to put it in the Discord right now. The photos of Bill Gates, like laying on a desk, sexy Bill Gates pictures. <laughs> oh my god! I feel like we oh could my. we could replicate that. Oh my! <laughs> I want to do the one line on the desk, like like sort of like draw me like one of your French girls type style, like from this, <laughs> you know, like the, I would. Oh yeah, I would do that. Like surrounded by headphones and and my new and my new amp and my DAC. Like yeah, I could I could pull that off. I think. Okay, so this is fun. You had the chance to bring... This comes from Brian in Chicago. Well, thank you, Brian in Chicago. Uh, you have the chance to bring back one piece of legacy Apple hardware. What is it and why? Oh, man. Well, I know what the answer should... Let me give you a good answer and let me give you my emotional answer. How does that sound? Okay. The good answer is... The Thunderbolt display. It's <laughs> like a regular yeah. display and it has a bunch of ports on it and it doesn't cost $6,000. Okay. Apple just do that. Thunder, Thunderbolt display two. Casey List will buy two of them today. My emotional answer though, kind of thinking through my collection. I mean, it's got to be like the cube, right? There's that half size it's Mac Pro be. rumor. Yeah, it's gotta. Yeah, it's gotta be something like. Yes, I was hoping you would say that. Yeah, you know, maybe it even is like acrylic somehow instead of aluminum. Like, just lean into it. I think it'd be fun. My answer is also something that I that I found myself sort of thinking about earlier today: a classic iPod with support for flak music and high impedance headphones. Like imagine if you could use Can we put can we put Apple Music on there too? So you can just like stream to it? Yeah, yeah. Like imagine a classic iPod that it's like there's a whole market for these. They're called DAPs. 
uh, that's digital audio players, right? And I have a couple of those, and they are essentially these high-resolution audio players that are running like a fork of Android, and they have apps installed like Tidal, Apple Music, um, CoBuse, these these music streaming services. Imagine a classic iPod that are Wi-Fi, Apple Music, support for FLAC files, if you still have your personal music library. And like the new MacBook Pro, uh, headphone jack that supports high-impedance headphones. I would buy that in literally a heartbeat. Like, that's my dream device. I found myself thinking this morning about this. Like, I wonder, I want, because I should say, I am unhappy with all of these digital audio players that I've tested. Um, I I have one that is not connecting to Wi-Fi anymore because of reasons. An Android, I believe is one of the reasons. <laughs> I would get a modernized iPod Classic so fast. That would be incredible. Uh, I, have a, I have a practical answer to this question, which is the airport base station. I'd love to see that come Ooh, back, yeah. right? And be the center of all sorts of uh, information flowing throughout your household. You know, HomeKit devices, uh, streaming services. There's a lot of things Apple could do instead of relying on things like the HomePod to act as a hub. I don't know why they got rid of their hub. I'd, I'd like them to actually do a base station that took care of all the all the smarts behind all that stuff. And they could like do it the modern way right like you could have multiple airports to like cover a bigger house but it was really bad right it's like do all the cool mesh stuff do like the app dashboard stuff it would be so good yeah i don't want literally the one that was discontinued (laughs) that that wouldn't that wouldn't be so great although i am still using an airport express to airplay music to a set of speakers that are out on my patio so you know as long as they still work they're still yeah. fine, but uh, yeah, I'd love something modern. Especially if too. they brought like the UFO design back, not the tall tower one, but the one that like you know spaceship. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Guys, thanks to thanks to the Discord, I just I just discovered something. What? There's a thing called Rockbox. Oh yeah, that it's a what is that? F- it's a custom firmware for the classic iPods. Oh yeah. It was it's a it used to be a really big deal. Winter project. Ooh. <laughs> oh man. Do it. Yeah, oh, it'll support the that. first through sixth generation iPod, the mini, the first and second generation nano. So it's not like on everything. You can't buy any iPod, but if you get any of those, it'll work. Hmm. I gotta look I gotta look into this. Yep, okay. Do it. The the other the 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 one other thing I thought about this question. This is a really good question. In fact, this was going to be mine. You 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 took it from me. I'm sorry. A long time ago, Apple made well, they didn't make. They put the Apple logo on someone else's digital camera and sold it as the Quick Take. It would just be so cool to have like a standalone camera from Apple. Like maybe it's got interchangeable lenses. Probably connect to the internet, so you can still you know just puts all your stuff in iCloud Photo or something. But. I just think about how good the cameras are in my iPhone, and then I remember they're in an iPhone. It's like, what if they were in something a lot bigger and a lot more powerful? And that would be that'd be really cool, I think. Yeah, because a lot of the camera companies don't do a very good job with internet connectivity still today. I mean, it's there aren't very many cameras that handle that very well, and I'm sure Apple could do that. You know, do a good job with GPS. I mean, I know those those 
features are available in a lot of high-end cameras, but I really have never found one that I thought does it really well. Okay, this is from JD. Who has the best hair of the trio? Maybe John should answer this because Federico and I both obviously have skin in the game. Mm, this is very hard. This is very hard. I think, you know, I don't want to hurt Mike's feelings. I mean, we know from last week that he's he's precious with his beard. And Stephen, he's, you know, Stephen has got style and, and, and you know, changing styles every, every almost every week, it feels like. And Federico, you're just known, known for the hair, I, I think. So it's very hard choice, very hard choice. But I think I'm going to, but I'm going to, I'm going to go oh, with come Federico. on. That's go with an Federico. inside job. There you go. <laughs> it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Oh, I'm yeah, going to go with pick Federico. the guy who, who you own a company with. I see how it goes. You can, <laughs> you can sit on my lap again oh, next time. Ah! Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> shoulder to shoulder. Well, that's the end of Connected QA forever. So whispering sponsor, whispering sponsors in my ears. Yeah. That's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Trade. We get almost everything delivered to us these days. I know I'm certainly a, a big shopper in that way. So why should coffee be any different? Let Trade bring the best coffee right to your front door. The journey to your perfect cup starts with taking their coffee quiz. Whether you use a French press, automatic drip, or you're more of a cold brew person, your answers will allow Trade to pair you with the perfect coffee to fit your tastes. Trade will match you to coffees you'll love from over 400 craft coffees, and they'll send you a freshly roasted bag as often as you'd like. So not only is it really convenient... You get to explore all of these coffees that you wouldn't have access to otherwise. And they guarantee you'll love your first match. On the off chance that you don't, they'll replace it with a different bag for free. And you give feedback as you sip. As your preferences evolve, your coffee matches will change too. You can feel good about each cup since trade partners with over 55 small U.S.-based roasters who are all committed to ethical and sustainable sourcing. I think this is really cool that you can customize what you want and that they're using intelligence and all of their insight into the coffee business to let you explore from all of these different makers from all over the U.S. And uh, I think it can be uh, really a way to make you feel better about your coffee buying. For connected listeners, Trade is offering your first bag for free and $5 off your bundle at checkout. Get yours, go to drinktrade.com slash connected and use the promo code connected. Take the quiz to start your journey to the perfect cup. That's drinktrade.com slash connected and the promo code connected for your first bag free and $5 off your bundle. This holiday season, give the coffee lover in your life the gift of better coffee with their personalized gift coffee subscription from Trade. So you get one, give one for somebody else. Go to drinktrade.com slash connected. Our thanks to Trade for their support of the show and Relay FM. So Craft, the note-taking application that I think all three of us agree is the best Mac Catalyst app probably out there. Yes. <laughs> yep. Really impressive. Definitely. They recently announced Craft uh, 2.0 and the Craft Extensions platform. So these were kind of two sides of a coin Let's start with 
the 2.0. I think if you weren't paying attention, you'd be really surprised. This is not like a traditional 2.0 where lots of things are new. But they're using this moment to sort of outline what they want to do in the future. Do you think that's fair, John? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I had a couple of people ask me on Twitter, you know, when are you guys going to review this? And my response was kind of like, well, I'm not sure there's really anything to review yet because it was more of a preview and a roadmap than it was actually an update. I mean, I think they fixed some some small stuff in the app and made a few modifications. But for the most part, this is not a new, a, a real 2.0 yet. I think that's right. It feels more like um, sort of like, Here's our roadmap, sort of here's our um, sort of like a statement of where we're going rather than here's what we've been building and you're going to see that throughout the course of the multiple releases. Um, it's, it's interesting because like I want to draw a, a parallel here. This is what a lot of people think Apple should be doing at WWDC. And I don't think it would go over well in our community if Apple said, here's our roadmap for iOS 16, but actually today you cannot try any of this except this one little thing. Um, so it's, you know, it's of course different when, when, a, when a smaller indie developer does it. Uh, I think it works in the context of craft, especially because of extensions, as we're going to see in a minute. But... Yeah, it's it's dif- definitely different from what we're used to see in a in a 2.0 quote unquote release. Yeah, it's a little it's a little odd in the sense that it was kind of framed as a release, but I think that you know that that was designed to get people's attention, and it was kind of the anniversary of the app. This has been the hot app of 2021. You know, it came out late last year. Really, had been in beta for quite a while, and took note-taking by storm, mm-hmm. really. I mean, it, note-taking's become this incredibly hot area right now, and I think Craft is the friendliest of all of those note-taking apps that are out there. And we use it, you know, Federico and I use it really, I think, mostly as a shared notes tool these days for things like show notes for podcasts and for documentation for Mac Stories, the, uh, the web development and organizing some projects and things like that. But... Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of where it's been and where, how I'm using it. I mean, they, they've said that they're going to try to do things like improve the editor so that it handles media better, you know, images, uh, sketches, and files, and, and that sort of thing. I think it does a pretty good job at that already. They're, it does sound like maybe they're going to get away a little bit from the strict block-based system that they've got, which I think would be I good. I think the blocks, I think the blocks get in the way a little bit. I mean, you and I've talked about this, Stephen. I mean, it's, to me, they're a little awkward to deal with, especially on the Mac. Yeah, they are. And there's some like really weird things. Like if you make a table, it can only be so many rows long, and then you have to scroll it within the block, the invisible block that it lives in. Even though the document can be as long as you want, the table's like stuck in this invisible, this like invisible playground it's very strange right Um, right they've also yeah they've also you know they've said they're going to work on dealing with better collaboration too and i know this is something that we've struggled with a little bit like we've we've grown our collabor our collaborative spaces in craft over the course of time and i really don't remember who created which of the spaces whether it was me or federico or alex and recently, I think all of our subscriptions came up at about the same time. And I wasn't sure whether my sub- 
subscription had expired or whether Federico's had and suddenly I was locked out of our shared space that he had created or what was going on. So I think there's, there is room for them to approve, improve that kind of user experience. And that's something that they could, I think, really like stand out with. I mean, Notion has that collaboration, but Notion is really a different thing than Craft and even Obsidian. Right. And Notion is like a whole operating system almost in there. And I do, when we talk about the extensions, I do have questions about like what Craft is and what, what it seems the team wants it to be. But I do feel like they're focuses like on the editor and investment organization and collaboration like those are all good things to focus on but at the same time they also announced this extensions platform they spell it extensions all lowercase but with a capital x in the middle which is not good i don't know what they're doing over there don't do that <laughs> no it's extreme is what it is extreme extensions you gotta say it like that <laughs> you do i will have a bunch of the links in the show notes you can read about it uh basically you can create plugins for craft they're built with javascript html and css they live over in the right hand side sidebar i've got one installed just so i could play with it before the show but they're pretty limited in what they could do if you think about like obsidian like y'all have been talking about obsidian on app stories but like plugins that change the ui or like add components to every window this is not right what craft extensions are these are really dealing with content, importing, exporting stuff. It seems like the the feature set is a little bit a little bit more constrained, if you will. Yeah, it is. It's it's early days. I mean I kind of think of it as though, you know, the extensions are designed to be a little bit like the craft share sheet. It's ways to get things in and out of craft to somewhere else. Whereas with something like Obsidian they, there are fundamental features that are bolted on and part of the actual app itself. Because, for instance, with Craft, these extensions can only, at least at the moment, live in the sidebar. Their entire UI is part of the sidebar. And this is, you know, this kind of grew out of their, their system that they put together for... Uh, they called it craft connections, I think, where they yeah. had a craft series Connect, of like not connects. That's right, which which is like nine apps like Bear, Ulysses, Things, uh, Devon Think, a lot of well-known apps, and it's great that they had those integrations. But it always struck me as something that was just not extensible. That it wasn't going to scale well because no matter what, there was going to be a significant portion of their users who wanted some other app that wasn't part of that collection. And it does. And this allows Craft to expand that stable of interactions without having to coordinate them directly with the developers of those apps, which is how I think these other ones were done. And and that that does make sense. So it's not like reliant on partnerships with other apps and other developers because those could just go away like if an app gets sold or something changes so i think it makes sense to be a little more agnostic from that standpoint but i do like my my big question with all of this reading it is like okay excited about the updates but is craft trying to chase down something like obsidian which is endlessly customizable or is their plan just to kind of stay the course, keep doing what they do, but just make it a little bit more flexible for everybody? I just, I just don't know. Like, do, do you have a read on that, either one of you? 
So the, we've seen this massive explosion in the, in the note-taking space over the past uh, couple of years. Also, maybe because of the pandemic, um, you know, people having tons of time, having to remote work, they obviously turn to uh, to a note-taking system um, to organize all of this information that is coming in. Uh, I feel like we are potentially going to see some consolidation in this space starting, you know, next year. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it always happens in any market, you know, especially on, on the App Store and with with these services, we're gonna see some consolidation. Some of these, uh, some of these other competitors uh, getting abandoned would be my prediction for for next year. Uh, but I think the next lo- I feel like an an extensible platform is the next logical step for this kind of applications. Uh, because if you tr- if you uh, make one of your core propositions the wild flexibility that users have in terms of structuring notes, structuring documents and pages and sections of those pages. It's only natural that that kind of user eventually wants more customization. And to want more customization, it means that you want to be able to modify the behavior of the app and therefore have something like plugins or extensions. Now, Craft has obviously been paying attention to Obsidian, and I feel like it needs to it needs to be understood just how much of a big deal Obsidian is in the note taking space at the moment. Right? They managed to capture everybody's attention because of this flexi- flexible structure that they have. It's basically like sublime text, like from from back in the day. Imagine like all the sort of the the the, the community that there used to be around sublime text and plugins and and you know all those um modifications years ago but imagine that for a note-taking app that a bunch of people can use even if they're not developers so obviously craft has been paying attention to that craft's big advantage over obsidian is the design right they they have that polished sort of apple native design that 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 is you know makes craft much more intuitive and approachable and easier to use on apple platforms so I feel like Kraft looked at Obsidian's popularity and they went like, well, obviously this space is moving in a a direction that demands additional flexibility. We cannot possibly build all the features that people want. Therefore, how can we do it? Uh, And obviously the answer is something very similar to Obsidian where you have an API, they have a Kraft API, and extensions are made using a, a combination of JavaScript and an HTML, CSS, and that API. So um, I, I feel like craft in order to succeed with this, if they want to, you know, uh, get some of those Obsidian users to switch over to craft these extensions will need to be much more powerful than they currently are in terms of customizing the UI of Craft, um, getting access to other notes in your in your uh, workspace and not just the current note, and be able to display custom UI on top of Craft. Now, maybe Craft doesn't want to do it, in which case I understand, but if they don't want to do it, then these extensions will never be as powerful as they are in Obsidian. Now, I would wrap this up saying I've never, no, I've seen once, um, you know, an application that I felt, you know, in the right hands, and by right hands I mean Apple, this thing 
could go places. This thing could do wonders if it was a system app. Craft feels to me like the perfect candidate for an Apple acquisition. I'm just going to say mm. it. Yep. I think this is the kind of tool that Apple could use to really propel notes into the next generation of these note-taking apps because this is happening, right? So this new generation of note-taking apps, this is a thing now. It's happening. Now, Apple can ignore it or not. I'm just going to say that I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked if Apple is looking at this and they're like, this is a beautiful app, much faster to use than Apple Notes, uh, uses iCloud, works great on all Apple platforms, and they are building this customizable foundation for users. I want to see what happens here. I want to see how quickly Craft can iterate on this extension platform. I want to see who else is paying attention to Craft. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a wait-and-see approach at the moment for this. Well, I bet their VCs would be uh, pretty happy with, with that uh, acquisition that you proposed, Federico. You're, you're right, though. I think it, it, feel, it does have kind of that workflow feel, not so much in mm. the sense of what the app is, but the polish and what it could become if it were actually a system app, right? Yeah, that's really interesting. Yep. Really yep. thought about it being a, a way for Apple to, like you said, to bring notes into the modern area. Because, I mean, notes got tags and, you know, it's gotten some collaboration stuff, but it is like fundamentally the same app that it's always been. And that just comes from a different era of note-taking apps. Right. Whereas Obsidian and Craft and these others, they're sort of this newer generation that, you know, maybe Apple can get notes there. Maybe it's not interested in it. I mean, there, there's there's always something to be said that Apple's system apps are kind of made for the, the, the middle part of the bell curve where they hit the most number of users. And most users don't care about stuff that Craft and Obsidian offer above notes. Right, and so it's all very interesting to consider well, what could, what could happen there. All right, so we've got one more topic today. I'm going to talk to John about his Mac journey over the last year. Uh, but Federico did get the the booster. He's feeling a, a little under the weather now, so we're going to let Federico go, not force him to talk about the Mac. Uh, feel better, buddy. Yeah, I hope you feel better, Federico. Have fun, you guys, talking about macOS. Well, we will. This episode of Connected is made possible by Pingdom. If you have a website, what purpose does it serve? Is it driving people to your products, collecting sales leads? Is it providing customer service with things like contact forms? Well, when these critical transactions fail, you lose out on business, not to mention the bad experiences that your users will have. But there is a solution that is transaction monitoring from Pingdom. Starting at just $10 a month, transaction monitoring runs checks 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and will alert you when things like cart checkouts, forms, and login pages fail before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will notify you the moment there's an issue over SMS, email, or via your favorite apps like Slack, OpsGenie, and PagerDuty. Depending on what's being monitored or the severity of the outage, you can customize who is alerted and how they get the notification. So if something's really important, you can sound all the alarms in the middle of the night. But if it's something less vital, you can be a little more gentle on how you bug people. Don't let your users discover a problem with your website. You should be the first to know. It's super easy to get started. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now 
for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. When you're ready to buy, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of the show and Relay FM. All right, John, Federico's gone. Tell me the truth. Is it a pain? Is it a pain to work with Federico every day? Oh, I thought you were going to say, "Is it really his hair?" It's it's Thank really you. your hair that that I would have picked, but he's gone now, so Thank we you. don't. You know, we can we can tell the truth now. No, Federico is wonderful to work with. He and I get along. We we complement each good. other well. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mac Talk. You have in the past. I'm going back a couple years just for context. You had a MacBook Pro, but you also had a Mac Mini. And you were kind of living the Mac Mini life there for a long time, right? Yeah, it really was. I have a 2018 Mini. It's a pretty high-end, fully-specced one. And today, though, it sits in a closet, and it's going to be converted to a Plex server and other duties over the holidays. But, you know, what happened was, I guess a couple of things happened. One is I got a MacBook Air, an M1 MacBook Air last fall in November when they were released, right? That's kind of where the journey really started because that arrived and I used it as most people use a MacBook Air as a, as a portable Mac. And I was still on the, the mini at the time, but then right before WWC, Apple sent me an iMac to review. I had that and reviewed it in July, set it up right away and got an extension over the summer to hold on to it for a little bit longer because I really wanted an M1 Mac that wasn't one of my primary Macs to test Monterey on. And I wanted to really live with the iMac for an extended period of time to see whether that was something I'd like to move to eventually. Because, I mean, they're such beautiful Macs. I, I really I really love the way they look. And I wasn't sure, though, whether it was the all-in-one Mac was for me. So I lived on that iMac from the beginning of June all the way until the end of November, right after Thanksgiving, I kind of, I packed it up and sent it back. And throughout November, I had this kind of debate with myself of what was I going to do? Was I going to buy my own iMac? Was I going to go the MacBook Pro route? I had, you know, you mentioned I had a MacBook Pro before, and I did. It was a 2016, which was, you know, really bad timing for buying a MacBook Pro and really soured me on laptops for a while. Thank goodness the, the MacBook Air is, is a big change from that. But I, I was trying to decide where was I going to go with this. And in the end, I'm at least now working with a setup that, I view as temporary, but it's actually pretty good. It's the MacBook Air connected to an external display and a Thunderbolt uh, Thunderbolt hub that I use to get you know more ports out of the two the two ports MacBook Air, and it's been fantastic. And it's I think you know I had a lot of choices. One thing is I could have gone back to the Mini, the 2018 Mini, but boy that thing makes a lot of noise and it gets hot. And I I really once I started using M1 Max. I really didn't want to go back to an Intel-based one as my full-time machine. I mean, I don't mind having it sitting in a headless in a closet behind me doing various things, but I didn't really want it on my desk blowing hot air at me. I didn't really want a MacBook Pro either because although I am very jealous of you guys who, who all have them, I, I mean, I, especially the display, I don't really need that kind of power in a portable Mac. I spent... 
two weeks in Europe visiting my son and then visiting Federico recently. And that was really kind of the clincher for me when it comes to portable Macs was that I had, I took my MacBook Air and my iPad mini with me and nothing else. And the MacBook Air was absolutely fine for recording shows, producing them, doing the various things I did. I mean, I had a lighter workload while I was on that trip, but that's true with lots of trips. I mean, if it's because it was, you know, it was a vacation. And, but I did do some of my ordinary Mac stories work and it was perfectly fine. So that really got me to thinking, what was it about the iMac that I love so much? And was the iMac the thing that would be my next desktop computer? And I, I concluded no. And there are a few limitations about it that, that bothered me. I mean, the first one was just Apple sent me one with 500 gigabytes of storage, which wasn't enough. And, but that's, that's solvable because they go up to two terabytes. But the two things that weren't solvable was that they cap out at 16 gigabytes of memory and the screen is 24 inches. Now, when I was on the mini, I was using a 27 inch 4k LG display. It wasn't an ultra fine. It wasn't quite that fancy. But I got used to that space. And I really didn't want to go back to, I didn't really want to settle on a 24 inch display, even though the IMAX screen is the best screen I've ever used. And it is disappointing to be going back to the 27 inch LG in that sense. But I do appreciate the extra mm-hmm. space. And then, you know, and then the memory was an issue. The memory, 16 is not quite enough for a lot of what I do because a lot of times I have lots of tabs open and lots of apps open all at once. And I do run into memory constraints. Sometimes, a lot of times it's on Fridays when I've got a bunch of apps open, I'm putting together our newsletter and MailChimp, we've got, you know, if anybody is a Club Mac Stories member, you know, these newsletters sometimes are kind of long. Sometimes they're like 10,000 words long with 25, 30 images in them. And Safari struggles under that load with MailChimp sometimes with the memory required for it. So I decided what I was going to do is going to wait. I'm going to wait and see if an iMac comes out that's bigger, you know, an iMac Pro, or if we get a more pro-level M1 or M, you know, M1 Pro Max or whatever it happens to be, uh, Mini, and an Apple external display. And I think that's probably the option I, I would prefer only because I think I would replace the mini before I would replace the display if it was a good enough display. It's just such a weird time. David and I have been talking about this on Mac Power Users, but yeah, we're halfway through the transition to Apple Silicon. And the way they've done it is they've started at the low end and they've worked their way up. And it's, it's easy to connect some of the dots, right? There will be a bigger iMac and it will have the M1 Pro and or the M1 Max in it. And they're could be a, another Mac mini there you know will be some sort of pro desktop the further out you get the sort of uh, harder it is to to really nail down what it's going to be so it's, it's just sort of in this weird spot and then you add onto that mm-hmm. there's probably features in the MacBook Pro that the next MacBook Air would get like MagSafe or a redesign you know so it, it's just a very strange time to be making these decisions especially if if someone's like in your position where you need more horsepower you need more storage like just the base level macbook air isn't isn't quite quite enough right and right it's weird because it's close right and i feel like the m1 even the base m1 
I could live with in a different computer with more memory, but and and a bigger display. But it it's a little hard right now to know which way to go. And I work mostly at a desk, and you know we've all spent a lot of the last couple of years at home, and. I don't need another M1 portable Mac right now. I mean, I've got the Air, and I love the Air. And as much as I would like the Pro to use the Pro, I feel like a lot of that power in a portable device would be wasted on me because it would sit in clamshell mode or something Mm -hmm. on my desk most of the time, and I wouldn't be traveling with it, which is why ultimately I've decided to wait. And it's been fine so far. I mean, I've been on this setup since... I guess it was the weekend after Thanksgiving, so, you know, a few weeks now. So, I mean, you, you seem like you've sort of come around to the idea of having a desktop and then having a, a notebook for the times that you, you need it. Uh, where does Apple's external display trajectory <laughs> or, or lack of strategy, yeah. where, does, like, where does that fit in for you for example would you be maybe more willing to kind of split the difference and have like a a decently spec macbook pro and use it at home with a nice apple display and away from home when you don't need it like is the lack of a display i guess pulling you to an imac or maybe you wouldn't be there other otherwise i think that that is probably true i mean one of the things about the imac i used all summer that I loved the most is the screen. I mean, it is so bright and colorful and crisp that I, I'd never really used a display quite as good as that. Now, you know, I and I take that display. That display is good enough for me, although I would certainly like something even more high-end, a little closer to what's on the MacBook Pro, but blown up. Um, and, and I'd also like a matte display. So I, I'm not sure which way, you know, I think in the end for my next desktop, it's going to depend on which comes out first more mm. than anything else, because I know I'm going to get impatient. And if an iMac comes out, having used the original M1 iMac for six months, I know I like it a lot and I know that I'd be happy with it. Uh, and I like the, the, there are a lot of advantages to an all-in-one just in terms of a nice clean look on a desk. And my desk is kind of out in the open on the first floor of our house. So that would all be great. But an awful big part of me really does feel like I like the having, I would prefer to have the component version of that, which is a very small mini with more IO and a separate display that I would keep for a longer period of time, probably. And I would, you know, anything from 27 inches up to maybe 32-ish, I would be happy with. And I'd like it to be matte, matte but I don't want to spend five, six, $7,000. I'm not going to do that. There's just no way. So, you know, I would spend a couple of thousand dollars on it potentially, but I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go all the way up to, you know, $5,000. And... So as a result, I don't really feel like a MacBook Pro with an Apple display is really a way I would go either. I think I would probably stick with the Air for portable computing and then whatever comes out first, whether it's a bigger iMac or a better Mini, and uh, I would probably go that route. Now, the, the toughest... The toughest call would be if the Mini came out first and there's no display, what do I yeah. do then? 
prob <laughs> probably still wait because I don't want to buy a new display and then six months later there will be an Apple display uh, because I know my next display, if I buy it and it's not an Apple one, it'll be probably a fairly high-end one. And, and even so, I mean, there just aren't very many good choices right now. I know Jason Snell just wrote about this on Six Colors, I think, yesterday. There aren't a lot of good choices to begin with. So I guess I'm playing the waiting game and probably waiting for, for a bigger iMac more yeah. than anything else. To save you the feedback, he linked to a thing that Casey wrote. So I'll link to Casey's thing in the show notes. Ah, right, right. Oh, and Dan did it. You were so close to what actually happened. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's been, I mean, I wrote a thing at, at WBC 2019 of like, what's Apple's display story here? Like, clearly the Pro Display is awesome, but come on. Right. And they just haven't, they just haven't done it. And every, you know, we can't talk about, like, oh, this is the time, this is the time. And I, I really think the line of the sand is the new I'm, the new big iMac. Like, if there's a, a, a yeah. you know, 27, 29, 30-inch iMac, and there's not an external display that matches it, then, like, uh, then what, you know? Um, there is the complication, and they've, they've spoken about this on ATP, but there's the complication of what you can do internally with a machine versus what you can do over a Thunderbolt cable. And like when the first mm, 5K sure. iMac came out, Apple made it a big deal of like, there wasn't hardware to do this, so we invented it. And right. eventually, Thunderbolt was able to drive it, but it took a while. And the Pro Display XDR, it's a bunch of pixels, but if you double the refresh rate, are you at the edge or beyond what Thunderbolt 4 can do? Like all of that stuff has to be dealt with. Like, let's just say that the new big iMac has ProMotion in it. That doesn't necessarily mean mm -hmm. they can put it in an external display of the same size. And, and so it is extremely True. complicated. And I think it's actually harder to guess now because the new MacBook Pros have some of these features that may be really difficult to get into a standalone external display. Like in a lot of ways, the display on my 14-inch MacBook Pro is nicer than my Pro Display XDR. It's not as big. Right. It's just as bright as mini LED instead of the LED uh, array that the, the Pro Display has. Uh, and it has ProMotion, which a lot of people care about. And so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's no, like, you're it's even right. more. Yeah. It's like it's even more complicated as time goes on, which is it's just it's a it's a bummer. And I mean, I know Apple hears this feedback because everyone like who pays attention to Apple even a little bit has this issue of like, if you buy one of these amazing new laptops, if you buy a Mac Mini, even if you buy a Mac Pro, like the only first party option is just ridiculous and um and it's a bummer right it's like it's they're so close to having like the mac hardware lineup perfect and then there's this like huge gaping right, hole right. right in the middle of it yeah yeah it's that complexity i think it is at the end of the day why i would probably just jump on board with an iMac pro because it's it's really hard, as you said, to judge exactly where the external displays are going. And I do kind of feel as though 
if we get a larger display on an iMac and we don't get a separate display around the same time, that maybe it's just not coming or it's not coming for a while yet, maybe another year plus. And in that case, I do think that I would like to have a new desktop computer and not be relying on a MacBook Air in clamshell mode. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's complicated. It's all good though. I mean, I mean, the display situation is terrible, but like you're picking from <laughs> a bunch of really good Macs, right? Which is yeah, cool. Absolutely. And hasn't and I, been the case in a long yeah. time. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and I'm actually, for the first time in a very long time, excited about portable Macs. I mean, that MacBook Pro from 2016 really soured me on them for a long time. Yeah, and you, you got in at a real bad time, man. The worst time, I think. I mean, it was it was not a good machine, and it's it, it, you know, it was hot, and it had a terrible keyboard, and all sorts of different problems. But the MacBook Air, I'm still blown away by the fact when I use it, it's absolutely silent. Yep. And I've never had Macs that were absolutely silent. And that's that's why the Mac Mini, even with the closet door shut, I can hear the Mac Mini behind me. It's in my office behind me. And I can I can still hear it in there humming away. And I, I love that the air is completely silent, as was the you know the iMac that I was using. Well, I hope you get resolution to all of this. <laughs> I do too. I do too. I mean, the easy thing, the fun thing would have been just to pull the trigger on a MacBook Pro, but I, I think I'll be better for, off in the end if I wait a little yeah. bit longer. I mean, I really like the the Mac lifestyle that you described where you have like a nice desktop. It's always there. It's also really nice to have a Mac that's just on all the time from an, like an automation standpoint. Yep. And then my notebook yep. is, I mean, my, my MacBook Pro is really nice, but it is a secondary machine, right? And and I, I like that sort of setup. And I think for people who do what we do, it makes a lot of sense. Yep. All right, John, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been always fun to chat with you guys in, in a format other than <laughs> iMessage. All right. So if you want to find links to the stuff we spoke about, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 375. If you're interested in a longer ad-free version of the show and you like saving money, go to giverelay.com. 22% off of annual memberships. That special runs through December 17th, so don't delay. John, where can people find you on the internet? Well, they can find me hanging out with Federico at MacStories.net. And, of course, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, too. I should do the at J-O-H-N-V-O-O-R. H-W-E-S. That's where you can find me, Stephen. It's just so poetic and sing-songy. I love it. <laughs> I've done it hundreds of times, so I've got got it down at this point. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter as ISMH and my writing over at 512pixels.net. I'm also the co-host of Mac Power Users. We have some really cool episodes coming up. We interviewed somebody who works at Pixar, and it was an awesome interview. Ooh, uh, we're gonna do nice. studio tours, and we have a very, like, very, very, very special episode coming up right at the turn of the year. So, lots of good stuff coming on the Mac Power Users feed. Thank you for joining us today on Connected. Though I'd like to thank our sponsors for making it possible: Fitbod, Trade Coffee, and Pingdom. John, until uh, I guess till next time you're on Connected, say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, y'all.